Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we come before you today, Father, we want to um, raise up Pastor Nick and his family as they are uh, battling illness in their house, Father, and we just pray a speedy recovery for them. And Father, for the, the church family here today and those watching online, God, I just I pray that um, that this word that you have me speaking today, Father, that this would be a blessing to them. It would be an encouragement, Father, that we would walk away from here filled with your spirit, Jesus. And that through through this, we all might get to know you a little bit more and, and understand our walk with you a little bit more. So, Father, I just pray that your presence would continue to dwell with us as we dive into your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Yes, I uh, at about seven o'clock this morning, um, was it was determined that I would be preaching today. So I didn't just jump into the the first Peter series. Um, I could have, but uh, with the series, I like to kind of get the the heart of it a little bit more and uh, and spend the week actually going through it. So um, I actually chose something. That's been on my heart a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, so here we go. Um, I actually had, uh, within the last week and a half here, I had uh, the honor of officiating my first funeral. I've worked at a lot of funerals over the years, and I've uh, attended several um, in my lifetime, including uh, my father and my stepfather. Uh, but none have really impacted me the way that this did. When preparing for a funeral, part of what you do is is getting a homily ready, which is kind of the uh, the funeral sermon, I guess, would be the way to describe it. Um, and and that I have discovered can take a little bit of finesse uh, because you are keeping in mind the family and you're trying to honor the person that has passed uh, with this with this homily. And so it's a message that's based out of scripture that reflects on the life of the deceased. And as I reflected after having conversations with family uh, and, and what I knew about the person and spending time in prayer, um, this, this, um, this passage that I, Michelle read for us this morning uh, really kind of weighed heavily on me. It was it was what kept coming up. Um, so some of you may have heard that uh, at the funeral, and so I apologize if uh, this seems slightly repetitive to you today. Um, but that's the inspiration for what we're, we're looking at. One of the things that I've been most guilty about in my life, most guilty of, uh, is not being present. Let me clarify that. Because often I'm here, and if any of you have had a conversation with me, sometimes I'm here, but not here. I, I can think of a few people that are probably thinking of several examples right now. Um, so when I, when I uh, was in banking, uh, and I took over 
a branch uh, in Saskatchewan uh, as the manager, uh, there was a period of really high stress. Uh, I was I was coming in and cleaning up a mess, essentially, uh, which I was not really aware of when I accepted the role. And uh, there were some pretty heavy business issues and compliance type issues and whatnot. Um, I was working long hours. Uh, I was constantly putting out fires, troubleshooting, you know, all the fun things that you get to do as a manager. And then especially in a highly um, not compliance, there's a word for it. My brain isn't thinking of it, but a regulated, highly regulated industry. Um, I often had to think like five steps ahead just to just to make sure things kept moving. Um, and it somewhat kept me sane. But not really, because the sacrifice out of that, um, about a, focusing so far ahead and trying to trying to think, oh, how do we how do we deal with this in the future? Um, that sacrifice came at home. I just really wasn't there. Much like these conversations I was talking about, where I talk to people or they talk to me, and I'm not really fully present sometimes. Um. I was there, but I just wasn't there. I would just clam up and dissociate pretty much. Uh, I'd go off on my own because I just couldn't process anything or think anymore. Um, I was constantly thinking about what needed to be done the next day, the next week, everything next, and how I was going to handle those things. So then I didn't focus on my family uh, or any other important things that the way that I should have. Uh, and that became very evident to me in my relationship with my sons, to be honest. I know they're young and they'll bounce back, but not quite the same way. Um, as opposed to my daughter, who was born right before COVID, and I spent months at home with her. Um, and the, the relationship was very different. Uh, and we can see that still today. But unfortunately, I don't learn very quickly. I'm stubborn which I get laughed at when I say that because it's very true and a lot of people know that. To this day, I struggle with worrying about things that are in the future, worrying about what's ahead, what's next. Many of you know that we still own our house in Saskatchewan, for instance, uh, and it's definitely a point of stress and panic for me when it sits empty for six months or various other things. We just want it to sell. Um, things like this morning, where I really just didn't know what to do next when Pastor Nick was sick. Things like that can very quickly turn me. And that's just my mental state. That's the way I overthink things sometimes. But as I prepared for this funeral, I couldn't stop thinking about what was ahead. Um, I had chatted with some of you about how, you know, it was my first funeral. It was going to be a big one. There are all these things going through my head that I just wasn't sure about, and I was worrying about them, and I really didn't need to. But sometimes in my task-driven Martha mind, even here at the church, uh, I can find myself focused on all the things that need to be done, again, as many of you know, uh, rather than being present for what's actually going on around me. Um, so reflecting on this passage for the funeral, I realized 
how much of a message it really was for me. And so I kind of wanted to share that with you guys today as well, because I think it's something that we can we can all learn from and hear again and again and again, especially in this world where time is money and things are just so fast-paced. Kids have activities eight nights a week. Yes, I said eight nights a week. Um, sometimes we can just be too focused on all the things that are upcoming and not slow down. So let's take a look at this passage, a closer look. This whole chapter is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you don't know what the Sermon on the Mount is, it was a, a period where Jesus sat down, pretty much the biggest sermon ever is, is kind of the way it's described. Uh, he sat and he taught on a whole bunch of different topics to a crowd that was uh, on the mountain with him. Um, starting with verses 25 and 26, there's a message right off the bat to not worry about our needs. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet you, uh, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Before I go on, though, to really go into that, let's note the first word of verse 25. It says, therefore. And this is something, Pastor Al's not here today, I don't think, but I can say I learned something from Pastor Al all those years ago. Uh, therefore, we see that word therefore at the front. That means that this is part of a, a greater portion of text. It's not just this. That therefore means that there's something that comes before this that's important to know, to understand what's being said. So, therefore refers to something that Jesus had just talked about. And he talked about not serving two masters prior to this. You can't serve God and money, essentially, is the message. And then before that was a teaching on prayer and fasting. And before that was a portion where Jesus talked about giving to the needy. All of these things that were very important to God and your relationship with God. And they're all strung together with ants. So it's this and this and this and this. Therefore, we jump into this. So he's telling us what's important to him. So don't worry about these things, right? So we have to pay close attention to that, therefore. So Jesus is explaining here that we don't need to pursue the security of things. That doesn't mean that we can just sit around on our couch 24-7 watching TV and the rent's going to magically be paid and food is magically going to show up in front of us. That isn't what this is saying. It's saying that God's going to look after us and there's, there's kind of a, a qualifier to it later on that we'll talk about. But as much as we need to do our part in providing for a living, we shouldn't be panicking about our needs. If we're putting in an honest effort, God is going to make sure that all of our needs are taken care of. 
And that leads to uh, a bit of another conversation about needs versus wants. So I've had a lot of conversations over the years about this. Um, and even my kids, let's be honest, our kids, I need this. No, no, I don't think you understand what need means. And we're not going to go too deep into that today. But often we can be, we can complain um, that we don't have what we need. But if we actually step back from it for just two seconds and take a look at it, we can see that our needs are met more than likely. If we're following God, if we're seeking the kingdom, again, we'll talk about that after, um, our needs are met. What we're longing for, the things that we're longing for, that's something beyond what we need. Or what we believe that we need isn't necessarily what God has decided we need. But we won't go any more into that. That's a whole other expectation versus reality and, you know, all that fun stuff. But what really hits home for me is when we turn to verse 27. This one gets me every time I've read it in the last two weeks. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It's a, it's a pretty short verse, but there's a lot packed in there. We live in a world that chases after self-preservation. Me over the other guy. Um, trying to make ourselves live longer. Um, Anti-aging creams and things that I don't know if they actually work, let's be honest. Or you, you see the ads on, well, it's not really TV anymore, more like YouTube and stuff. That's where people watch TV now. Do this and live longer. Different weight loss plans, exercise plans. Add 10 years to your life. All these different ads, right? They, they target that desire to, to have longer life, more longevity. I mean, you go back 500 years, 300 years, whatever it is. They were seeking the fountain of youth, some of them. This, this mystical fountain, this pond, waterfall, whatever. That if they drank the water, they would prolong their life. It's something that the world chases after. People chase after money so that they can have the best medical care, the best toys. Things that are going to make me happier. There's infinite examples as to what this looks like. But again, these are examples of chasing after things other than God. In fact, the reality behind this verse is that being anxious about things um, has a negative impact on our health and our lifespan. Um, research suggests that continuous stress and anxiety can reduce a person's lifespan significantly because of the stress on the heart, stomach, and other organs. 
when we stress and we're anxious all the time, when we're worrying about worst case scenarios and what lies ahead, that affects our bodies substantially. So we're not adding to our lifespan by worrying about things. We're actually subtracting from it when we're focusing on things other than God. We're not designed to worry about things. That'd be like trying to use my ice auger to drill a hole through cement. It's just not what it's designed for. We're designed to trust that God has taken care of things for us, that he's going to look after us. So then he, he goes on, he talks a little bit more about um, looking after our needs. Uh, and then he, uh, he has a little bit of instruction on what we should be seeking. And we see that starting in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't be anxious about these things. Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Those aren't important. You don't need to worry about that. Remember uh, the part before this, uh, this passage that we read? It said, uh, he, he talked about seeking God, not money. You can't serve two masters. The world seeks after things other than God. And we see that a lot. I, I gave examples, and we can come up with infinite more examples. But we as followers of Christ are called to be different. We're always called to be different than the world around us. God will take care of our needs. And again, this doesn't mean that we can just be lazy and expect it all to work out. But we can be assured that, that God's going to take care of us. But we have to seek the kingdom of God. Instead of seeking out money and things, seek first the kingdom of God. So how, what does, what does seeking the kingdom look like, though? It's, it's all great to say, oh yeah, we have to seek the kingdom. It sounds cryptic, though. We're going to go on a four-week expedition into the bush trying to find the kingdom of God. Um, no, no, the, the kingdom, this is the kingdom of God. It's here, but not yet. This is the future kingdom of God. The kingdom of God looks like doing what Jesus has told us to do, which is a lot harder, apparently, than it seems. But here, here are a few examples from Scripture. Hebrews 13.5, the writer says, Keep your life free from mon uh, love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew twenty two thirty seven to 39. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Words straight from Jesus. And if we believe that Jesus is God, words straight from God. Matthew 28, 19-20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Again, straight from Jesus. A command straight from God. These are the kinds of things that we need to look at and we need to, we need to weigh that against how we're living our lives. Are we doing these things? Are we walking these things out in our daily lives? Are we sitting on our butts and not sharing our faith with people around us? And that doesn't necessarily mean getting in everybody's face and saying, do you know Jesus? It's living out life in love, not in anxiety, not in worry, not in fear, because we know that God has us. We show other people the kingdom. Another part of that, so those are all like scriptural right there, right out of the Bible. Um, and we believe that the Bible is, is true and accurate. Other ways that we seek the kingdom is very much about being present in the here and now. Being present with those who are around us. When I'm having a conversation with Danielle, not sitting there thinking, okay, I got to prepare for this, I got to do this, I got to do this, but actually paying attention to what Danielle's saying. Making an effort to spend time with those who are around me. Going, coffee, going for coffee with Henry and actually listening to what he has to say. Right? Because a lot of times that worrying about what's next, we can get it in our heads and we miss what's right in front of us. We miss opportunities to seek out the kingdom, to share the kingdom, to show the kingdom to other people. If we're always worried about what's next, and I've caught myself over the last two weeks, of course, because I'm thinking about this, over the last two weeks, I've caught myself several times where I'm in a hurry and I rush by someone and I had to stop and turn myself around and go back to that person because I'm realizing that God places me in, this, in a place for a specific season for a reason. The people that I encounter, I need to pay attention to what's going on around me rather than what's coming up, even sometimes two hours from now. Because if I'm doing that, I miss opportunities to share God's love with other people. And we're commanded to do that. If we're so worried about what's in the future, we miss those opportunities. We miss those times, those, those appointments that God has made in our lives. So then, 
that leads to the, the, the closeout of this, this section, this portion of his sermon. And I want to I wanna leave it with you for, for thought. I want, I want you to take this home with you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worry about what you got going on right now, right in front of you. Don't worry about what's coming next. Because if you're doing these things, if you're following Jesus, if you are looking after the kingdom, seeking the kingdom, sharing the kingdom, he's going to look after you. So be encouraged. For anyone who's uh, who's in here today who's worrying about things, because I'm constantly worrying about a lot of those things, you can have a conversation with my wife about that, and I'm sure she'll tell you all about it. So it's as much for me as it is for you, but don't worry about things. God's got you. Worry about today. Worry about the people around you while you can worry about the people around you. Because God's placed them in your life for a reason even though you might not think it, even though in your workplace they may have the mouth of a sailor and you don't like spending time with them. But God's placed you in their lives and them in your life for a reason. So let's take note of that today. So let's pray. Jesus, we... We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your guidance and that, God, you've placed reminders all throughout your word for how we should live our lives, how we should walk with you. And, God, I just pray that, um, that this is something that we take note of and we don't take for granted, God, the people who are around us, even if, even if honestly, we, we don't know them from Adam. Father, those chance encounters sometimes are their, their appointments from you. And God, we have an opportunity to share the gospel. God, we have an opportunity to seek the kingdom and to further the kingdom, Father. So God, I just pray that, that these are things that would be present in our lives, that we'd be mulling this over and then we'd be thinking about it. And while we're thinking about it, suddenly there's an example right in front of us. Father, to make this so real for us. So Jesus, I pray that your spirit would walk with us. Father, it would fill us. And that as we encounter people, co-workers, family, whoever it is, God, that you've placed in our lives, Father, that your spirit would just pour out that, God, your kingdom would become real and present to them. Sometimes in their darkest hour. And that's the thing, God. We don't know what people are going through. We just know that we are supposed to be a blessing to the nations. So use us, Father. Make this real to us over the coming weeks. And Jesus, as we, as we close out our time here today, Father, I just pray for the other congregations gathering in Dryden today. 
Father, the other churches and families, anybody where, uh, any place where your name is lifted high, God, that, that your spirit would be present, that it would flow out. Father, that we, we would join with brothers and sisters around the world today, God, in, in, in raising up your name and living out a life with you. And Father, I pray for our, our leaders um, at all levels, God. There are so many decisions being made in governments at all levels right now, Father, that have drastic effects on how we as Christians live out our lives. And God, I just pray that you would be present with them, Father, that you would help them make the right decisions, the decisions informed by you. And God, that, that through that, your witness would shine bright. So God, I just pray that, uh, yeah, that you would continue to flow out of this place as we move out of the building today, Father. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, go be blessed and be a blessing to others. Have a good week.